Hey, Kyle, love your podcast. Check out these Earthship homes. They're made out of 100% recycled material, 100% off the grid. They recycle all their water. It's amazing. It's the plan for the future. Peace and love. Oh, Jeremy Glum, great to hear from you, my friend. Hell yes, I'm going to check out those Earth ships. I'm pretty high right now. Ate a weed gummy about an hour ago, starting to kick in. Don't really smoke weed anymore. Just eat it. And you know what? I like it. And it's legal now. I would never do drugs that were illegal, of course, because I respect that the government can tell me what I can do with my body. And I have so much admiration for the state and think that they should absolutely be able to tell me what states of consciousness I should be able to experience in this body of mine. So given that this plant is now illegal, I get to talk about it. So I'm gonna. I'm also going to talk about Santa Cruz Medicinals because Santa Cruz Medicinals makes potent CBD. They make a CBD pain solve. They make CBD tincture. They make CBD coconut oil that I rub all over my chest, my back, and any other part of my body that's sore. I'll take that CBD, CBD coconut oil into the bedroom. Don't think I won't. It's going down. It's right there next to my, my handcuffs. My vibrator, my toy dog, is <laughs> that Santa Cruz Medicinal CBD pain cream. Um, and if you want to get some CBD tincture in your life, uh, you can sign up for my box of goodies, which is live on my website, kyle.surf. It's also in the description below. Do you want to read more? I bet you do, because readers are leaders. And if you trust that I have a good taste in books, and you want to get a new book from me every month, along with a CBD tincture at a discounted price, you can sign up for my box of goodies. we got a good little crew here. It's a book club. Bringing books back. Reading is sexy. Uh, it's still May, I believe, when I'm releasing this. And the book is Denali by Patagonia adventure photographer Ben Moon. And next month, the book is Dress Your Family in Corduroy and Denim by David Sedaris. He is a fucking hilarious writer. And if you want to get these books from me, along with CBD Tincture from Santa Cruz Medicinals, sign up for the box goodies. It's a great way to support the show and read more. And if you don't have the extra cash, don't worry about it. Times are tough. Save your pennies. Just keep listening to this podcast. Share it with a friend. Give high fives. Tell someone they have beautiful eyes. And that's all the payment that I need. You can also send voice memos to info at kyle.surf. So just like Jeremy did telling me about those Earth ships, you can be like, hey, what's up? Where are you? Oh, I'm in a big red van in Colorado and haven't talked to anyone in a few hours. So now I'm just going off on a rant. Thanks for the show, Kyle. Uh, and you can email that to info at kyle.surf. If you want to check out any other of my work, you can head over to kyle.surf. Check out my written articles, my videos, and what not. This episode of the podcast is with Matt Myers. This is the second time I've had Matt on the show. He's a former professional surfer and the current team manager of Rip Curl. Matt is also one of my oldest friends. He has a heart of gold 
and he is magic on the mic. So we just talk shit about surf for about an hour and a half. And you know what? I get to call that my job. Hope that you're all having a wonderful day out there, wherever you are in the world. Go out, be good people, don't speed, and without further ado, please welcome to the show Matthew Timothy Nicholas Myers. Matt Myers in the house, round two, coming back. One of my oldest friends on the podcast again. Your last one had some good feedback. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. No, stoked to be back, Kyle. Um, you know, I don't get to visit home all that often, but when I do, make sure to call you every time. And if a podcast fits in, why not? Let's do this. Yeah, you enjoy seeing your friends so much that you get overwhelmed by it when you come back to Santa Cruz. Yeah, it's a... I mean, it's a long list, but it's a short <laughs> list of the key ones, and uh, it, it sure packs my time in. Yeah, you get stressed out about the luxury of spending time with your old friends. Yeah, because they're all just such great people, and they're doing such cool things, and they have so much to give, and I uh, just got to get it when I, while I can. Mm -hmm. Now, you're like a... You're like the fascia of our old friend group. You're like the like news team assemble. <laughs> and we all come and like, all right, Myers is in town. Let's all hang out. But then I'm like, oh, hey, to you know, this other friend, like, I haven't seen you in months. And it's just that Matt Myers is the conduit to our friend group. Dude, you got to connect them all, man. Yeah. Especially the, around the holiday time because we have a good time. Yep. Especially around the holiday time and uh, especially around the just time in general. It's easy to let those relationships sort of slip into the abyss mm -hmm. but uh you you punctuate it with uh these little social gatherings um it'd be interesting to think like if i never moved away if it would be the same or, i doubt it you know because you you seem to really drink santa cruz in when you come back right well we all kind of have a little bit like you know that's our hometown, Santa Cruz. We're like, we're the boys, right? So when you when I moved away, it's like I got to like hang on to it at some point, you know, a little bit. So that's why I've got really got involved in like the Santa Cruz Board Writers Club and just making sure to like, you know, stay tied into the community here that I love and cherish so much. So at least like, you know, when the time comes, whenever I get back here one day that, you know, I'm still a part of it. I'm not some like random guy showing up again. What is the Santa Cruz Board Writers Club for people that don't know? So the Santa Cruz Borders Club, it, it's something very exciting and fun because it was a huge part of Australian surf culture, basically for a long, long time, decades, right? And some guys down in Huntington Beach about, it's got to be four years, three, four years ago, they started um, the West Coast Board Riders, which has really taken off. And um, it's, it's such a cool community event. It gets all the different surfing clubs and communities across California together. So far, it's, it's just in California. It hasn't quite reached Hawaii or the East Coast here as far as USA. But um, it's, I think there's 14 teams now. And we all compete against each other throughout the year. There's a full season. There's points allocated. Um, and it's, it's a spread of all the generations of surfers. There's uh, like seven different divisions in these surfing events. They're one-day events. And it goes from the little 14-year-old kids all the way up to the 50 and up legends division. Uh, women are included too. And it, it's an awesome way to get down to the beach and support each other. And um, it, it's crazy, like, the energy it brings out of you. Um, it's unlike any surfing event you've ever attended or been a part of because you're not surfing for yourself. You're surfing for your team. And obviously, surfing is not a team sport. 
It's such a different experience. And to have it also be connected to hometown pride, that's Completely. special. We don't, you know, in surfing, we don't tend to get that kind of local patriotism in in the best way possible. You know, again, going back to what I was saying before, like it creates a kind of social cohesion that's really important. Mm-hmm. No, without a doubt. And what's really cool is like, Obviously, like us growing up in Santa Cruz, you weren't always totally supported by the elders, you know, the, the older pros above you. Sometimes they, you know. Well, it was a piece of pie, right? The mm-hmm. surf industry was this pie and everyone, the older guys saw younger surfers coming up as little maggots that were going to steal their paycheck. Right, right. Right. They were taking a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, when you, we would go out as groms, there would be Dave Nelly Nelson, who was uh you know, the kingpin surf photographer around town who was making people's careers. No, and without a doubt. Without a mm-hmm. doubt. And you were trying you were trying to make a surf career and, and you'd have to sit on the inside and wait for all the older guys to get their waves. So you can get yours. Yep. And you're just dreaming of the day he has you on the speed dial to call you up to go get the shot. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're like, oh whenever Nelly called me, I got so excited. And then he'd be like, all right, Myers, 5 a.m. It's going to be closeouts. Yeah. <laughs> Bring your balls. <laughs> yeah, that's a strange aspect of trying to be a professional surfer, pulling into closeout barrels. That's not a thing anymore. People don't know about that. There was a time and a place where you would forego good waves to drive somewhere where the waves were really bad. Well, they were big. The, they were big and, and closeouts. So you would just drop in and be like... Woo! I'm young and have rubber limbs, and I'm not afraid of a sore neck. And then uh, you try and stand tall, like you're in a great stand-up barrel, and you just do that for like two hours. Break your boards. Break your boards, and then go in. But then there was all these like different little rules involved, like (laughs) with with the photo. So you had to keep your eyes open, your mouth closed. You had to stay relaxed. Like Homer Heenard was the king of it. He always was like in the barrel laughing all relaxed. You're like, that's not fun. It's just like an eight foot closeout beach slab. And then you'd like, they really encouraged you to have bright surfboards so the photos would look better. So there's like all these different, you know. New wax job. Yeah. In the days of Transworld Surf, you know, you got to get the shot. You got to get your photo incentive. Get that sticker placement out there. Yeah. I actually liked pulling into closeout barrels. There's a kind of, um, I don't know, it's. It's fun getting detonated. Surfing is one mm-hmm. of those sports where it's just water, and if you if you know how to fall, chances are even in a closeout barrel, you're not going to get that fucked up. And it's just a, I, I like getting rocked. What about Mavericks closeout barrel? Oh, well, no. Wh- what about lefts? Because oh, back, oh. backside closeout barrels. No, thank you. No, thank you. For it, some reason, your board always hits you like five times underwater. <laughs> like five times, it was like dash, 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 dash. How like, is this, ah, how's this how, possible? Yeah. No, it's it's not good. I, I don't like backside closeout barrels. Not one bit. <laughs> but times have changed. Yeah, there was closeout barrels. There was also toe-at aerial photos. Oh, yeah. That's another fake kind of surfing that uh, we used to do. I actually never did that. I was never invited to one of those You were just a little too young. I was a just little a too hair young. too young for that. Nelly liked me, though, because I was good at skating. Yeah, he loved your skating. He's like, yeah, bah. Yeah, it's your, it's your yeah. dog. Yeah. Ah, see some of those stale fishes. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, toe-at airs, that was a trip, too, because, like, talking to the Groms, they, yeah. they'd have no I, idea dude, what I'm I talking have, about. I have slide photos that Nelly gave to me when I was like 12 years old of skating my ramp and he, and he actually, this was before digital photography, gave me a slide. It was like, a, uh, got a sick air shot of you, tear dog. How rad was the slide? So rad. So I don't know if you guys 
follow Dave Nelson, Nelly's Magic Moments on Instagram, but he's actually putting together a book that's coming out on September 1st. I'd have to look up the name of it. I think it's Dual Perspective, I believe. And um, pretty exciting to see that. And it's all of his old imagery, you know, as a, a famous, incredible, he's like, you know, 20, 30, I don't know how many cover shots the guy has, but um, a hero in our town. And he's he's going through the archives and he's pulling out all the stops, all the old school photos. So it's going to be pretty cool to check out. Yeah, guys like Nelly, Tony Roberts, Chachi, they've made a lot of surf careers. That's for yeah. sure. Corey Wilson. Corey Wilson. Nate Lawrence. Some talented photographers. A lot of talent coming out of Santa Cruz. So, yeah, so you, you know it's, what's weird to think about is just how surf marketing has changed since the time that you and I were coming up as opposed to now. Like, the, in yeah. regards to closeout barrels, like, it's, and this is maybe just a question for you, like, is sticker placement as important as it is now? You know, I think it, no, or, or, I I do think that has changed. Um, well, digital media has changed everything. Instagram, you know, uh, the surfing websites have completely changed from what it once was. All the time we were trying to get shots to get in the surf mags to get that photo incentive, but that's kind of thrown out the door these days, and that's not as important as what it once was. Um, now the focus is on getting the best edit that you can, you know, get that on the WSL's Instagram page or Stab's page or Surfline's page. And that's really what your goal is. Hmm. Okay. So what, what are you doing when you're working with riders, um, in rip curl now? Well, you definitely got, well, still want to build your own profile more than ever. You kind of, you are your own brand now, you know, as us, when we would get cool shots and back in the day, there really wasn't much that we could do with it. But now everyone has their own social media feeds and they're able to promote themselves. So, you know, it's obviously not everything. You don't want to have these kids just like obsessing over their phones and and the whole social media thing, but it definitely is a key proponent to, you know, being successful. Is it as important now? Is it more important now to be I guess smart as a pro surfer, you know, are, because there are these new avenues. I mean, you had guys in the older and smart. I mean, by like smart marketing yourself wise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you did have guys in in the older days, you know, who who created their own brand for themselves. A guy like uh, Donovan Frankenrider, right, right. Um, but still, there weren't as many avenues for a guy like that to get his message out. No, right? like yep, you, yep. you had there were you these, had to rely on the the media, the surf rely media. on Surfer Magazine, on Taylor Steele to put you in his movie. Like now, if you do something that's good, there's really no barrier between you and the audience. Um, and there are also a lot of avenues for people to make money now in ways that they couldn't. Um, I was just seeing recently in. A lot of guys in Hawaii have vlogs now. Mm-hmm. That's, that's actually do, my next point that I was going to talk about. They'll do weekly vlogs, and you can make a fuckload of money doing that. If you yeah. get a high subscriber base on YouTube, and you can reliably be getting you know, 60, 100,000 people, 200,000 people to be watching your movies, you can make money from the YouTube ads. You can also make money from merch, and that's what a lot of these guys are doing. Like I saw... Um, Koa Rothman's got his series and he's got his like Koa Rothman t-shirts that he's selling. And it's like, he's making good margins on that. 
it's, yeah, he's done a really good job. A lot of the guys in Hawaii have. It's kind of like really taken off there, and it's definitely spread, I think, obviously across the globe to a lot of surfers. But if you really focus on who's putting out some of the best content, it is the whole, you know, the Mason Hoes, Jamie O'Briens, Coe Rothmans, Coe Smith. You know, the list goes on and on out there. But and then all the Maui guys. Yep. Al, Albie, Albie Lair, yeah. Matt Miola. Like, it's, it's a very impressive generation. It seemed like a lot of those guys saw what Jamie O'Brien was doing from his vlog mm-hmm. and kind of took note. And he was doing it. That, he was on the, the front end of the YouTube vlog surfer. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've talked to Mason quite a bit about it. Um, one of our Rip Curl athletes, you know, I, I manage the team. So, with Mason, he... Um, which really excited his, he always had his videos on Vimeo for a very long time and he never didn't totally quite catch on to that, the whole YouTube thing until I really think this last year, it's gotta be in the last 12 months and him and, um, Rory Pringle, his filmer have, uh, Ho and Pringle productions on, on YouTube. And now it to him, the way he describes it, it's like his own personal newspaper that he's presenting to the world. So he's got his storylines. He's got, you know, whether it's a holiday, he's going to be dressing up like Santa Claus getting barreled. You know, he's been riding a, a 410 lately just to be creative in some like eight to 10 foot pipeline. He's just doing all these crazy cool things. And each one is kind of a different message, a different board, something different that he's working on. He's smart. You know, he's, he's a he, good marketer. He's, a, he's brilliant. He like, people might think he's like, just this fun guy, you know, having a good time. And he, and he is, but behind the scenes, he's very calculated. If you look at a surfboard, there's a lot of logos on there. And, and there's a reason behind that. Hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? He's very aware of how much, I think that he's aware of how much people want to have fun and how much they need to relax and how much money there is in being the person that represents relaxed fun. Yeah, and 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 people just are so drawn to him. Like people talk about it all the time, like you know the surfer's value and where they fit in the whole grand scheme of things. And like you know he was not on the WCT, he's not a top ten surfer, but I put his value right there based on like how marketable and how exciting he is and how many people are drawn to him. Like most people would easily say Mason Ho is one of their favorite surfers. Easily, you know, and he's not on all this WSL yeah. broadcast. So he's definitely, you know, and, and it's the funny thing is that that is his dream. He still would love to be on that CT because he sees himself, you know, skill level, talent level at that, you know, premium peak level globally. Well, you guys put him in the Bells contest. He's no, we've given him quite a few wild cards over the years and he, he's performed, you know, he's he's beat Adriano. He's, he's beat Julian Wilson. He's, he's beat the best guys, you know. Didn't world, he do real champs. well one year in the Bells contest? Yeah, he made Round before quarters, I think it was, okay. you know. Um, but not, he was beating guys. Oh, definitely. Non, Non-CT surfer. Yeah, he made, guys. he made it to round five, I believe, in that year. And um, he put on a show. And it, and it was so entertaining. Not to mention, he made the, it was either the quarters or the semis at Pipe when he made it through the trials all the way to the final day of the event. So he can do it in the jersey or not without. But um, he actually he won a QS this year in Tahiti. So, Kyle, there's this event. You got to check it out. I'm totally spacing the name of it right now, but it's a perfect right barrel. It's a QS 1000. If you saw it, you'd be like, how do I get enough points to enter this event? Whoa. Papera? Papera? Papera. Something like that. I could be wrong. Whoa. I should know the name. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, any, I would do, any, I would do a, um, a QS that, uh, ha- that, that was in a perfect wave. That, that just seems so fun. Like this last year at the pipe contest and we, when, uh, 
like John Mel was doing real well. Oh yeah, the Volcom Pipe Pro. Volcom Pipe Pro. Yeah. How do you get into that thing? You need points. It yeah. takes it takes a lot of energy effort to gain the amount of points to get into that event. Oh, guys are on the grind doing that. Yeah, but um, that is going to be changing pretty soon. Tell in, me about in it a bit. So. I don't have the exact details, but the WSL has recently put out an announcement for some major changes to the 2021 tour. Um, so not to skip ahead, but obviously we're here in 2020. And I think these are changes they had kind of further down the pipeline. But now due to COVID-19 and all the hecticness that's going on in the world, it's really allowed them to fast forward a bit and make these these big time changes that they've been wanting to do. They've just been trying to like, I think, wait for the right time, the right mold really to fall into it. But yeah, what they're going to be doing, uh, the major change that, in my point of view is that the Challenger series, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's the new, it's the top end of the QS. So what they called was the, the QS 10,000. So that those are the events that you need to qualify for the CT. So this Challenger Series will not be running during the same season as the World Championship Tour. So the qualifying tour and the World Title Tour are going to be separate on the calendar. What's the calendar? Do you know? Well, no. So they haven't released the dates or locations yet. Okay. So walk me through an example of that. Let's say I'm on the QS. I'm trying to qualify. So what does that year look like? So you could be starting January 2021. We'll say the Vulcan Pipe Pro, that could be the kickoff event, a Challenger Series event. Say you do really well in the early part of the year, you win some of those events, or you know you get enough points, you could qualify for the CT, which is going to start in June or July. So your, your year is just going to continue on, and you won't have to do any more qualifying events unless you fall off the tour at the end of the tour. What does it look like for the guys that just qualified on this year's tour? So the guys who just qualified. So this they qualified. Past- they qualified in 2019. They were ready, set, go to get started. And this. So that's where things get a little funky and weird. So I'm definitely feeling for those rookies, especially a few of them are, are rip curl riders. Who I was, I was literally staying at the house. Who? Matt, Matthew McGivillray from Jeffreys Bay, South Africa, and Morgan Sibilic. Um, from Australia, there's so many good surfers in the world, and, and that those I've guys never are, heard the, of. yeah. The, so <laughs> they're insane. they're full like kind of blue collar, a little bit underground as far as you know the name brand guys, but they're absolute hammers, rippers. They you know they got the fundamentals down, they make good decisions in the heats, and they and they got themselves there, which is incredible, super special to see that happen. And we're you know I'll stay at the house this year in Hawaii and got to celebrate and have a real good time. But for guys like them, you know, this is the, this, this dream tour. And so far, the only event that's actually been fully canceled is the snapper event. So event number one, but they've postponed, I believe four or five other events. And at this stage in the game, it's looking unlikely they're going to run. So bells, market river, G land, which was going to be new to the tour, which was going to be epic. Oh yeah. You ever search G land? No. Neither have I. Been to Bali a bunch of times. Right. Never made that trip out yeah. there. Yeah, the speedboat over the G-Land. I always saw those signs. Always wanted to go there. Remember the uh, Young Guns video? Oh, yeah. I think it was like Young Guns 2, and they go surf per- perfect G-Land. Clay Marzo and Ry Crikey. Marzo, Ry Craig, Dane Reynolds, yeah. Julian, Grom, yeah. Puka. P- Puka Shell Julian. <sighs> so sexy. So anyway, so for, for those rookies that just you know, fought so hard for the lives to qualify. We just, we don't know what's going to happen because it could be a shortened season. So they might only surf, you know, five or six events. Whoa. Which is a possibility. So again, um, June 1st is the quote unquote next call of the WSL CT season. So on June 1st, Eric Logan, who's the new WSL CEO, they're going to be along with uh, Pat O'Connell 
who's the head of the uh, tours and competition surfing committee. They're going to be making the decision on what the next steps are. Okie dokie. And how is the world champ going to get determined? Okay, so that's the other really big question. So, uh, or change that they're having. That's going to be 2021. So, I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves. So, the big changes are the two tours are going to be separate. And then, crowning of a world champion is going to be completely new. And this is something that they've talked about for many years. They actually kind of got it approved, might have been 2017, with the servers, but it never fully went through. But basically, instead of, for example, say, say you, Kyle, were on the CT and you won five or say seven events in a row to start the year, they could crown you as a world champ, say, at the Wave Pool event in September. And there's still three events left on the schedule. But the way things are going now is how they're going to have it is there's going to be, I believe the number is six guys that are still in contention for the world title are going to have a surf off on the final day of the year to determine the world champ. So no matter what, the world champ is going to happen in the water in the ocean is what they really want. And it's going to be happening, happening on the final day of the season. In the ocean is what yeah. they really want. Well, they, it's funny that he said that we now need to say that. Well, it, it's, it's true though. You like, for example, like you don't want John, John sitting up at his house, having watching, you know, Medina lose in the water and then him being world champ. Like how much cooler is it for him to win the heat in the water? Oh, that's funny. Oh no, never. No, no, I thought that you were saying that because of the wave pool. No, I oh, misheard no, no. you. Like they oh, okay. want to make sure it's not at the wave oh, pool. Because well, that's true too. Because they they have released. I believe that it's going to be in the ocean, not a wave pool. Okay, final but you have six guys that are all in contentious contention for the title. Yes, and not even determinant of points. Any one of no, them could so the be points, crowned? The points throughout the season is going to seed you coming into this last day. And again, they haven't released the format of this. Of this. whether or not it'll be wipes, wiped clean. Yeah, or... I don't think so. I think the guy that has the most points going into this last event is going to be favored and have an easier way out. Whether like the other guys have to surf more heats than him. You know, certain things like that. And that's just me... So it'll know, be a theorizing. surf off on one day and will it still be man-on-man heats? Again, I don't, I don't know okay. all the details. But... But I know that the WSL presented this to all of the, the recent, what they call the recent world champions. So I think it was the world champs from the last 10 or so years, potentially. I don't know the exact numbers, but they all approved of this situation. Because I think for them, they believe that if they are given a chance, like at the end of the year, they, they're going to take that chance. Yeah, they're all so confident. You have to be so confident in yourself to be a, a top-level world tour athlete. They're like, yeah, of course I'm going to win. Yeah, and that's how they all think about it. Because like, if you're not thinking that way, you're not going to be there no. in the first place. That's great. That'll also be a very exciting day for surfing. Yeah, so so this past year, I, I think, I, again, like I don't have all the history stats, but so Medina and Italo Ferreira, they had a face-off at Pipe for the world title, Sorry. and they both made the final. So the, the WSL had record-breaking viewing numbers, and that really just like stamped it for them, like, duh, we need to do this again. And it's like, obviously, some people are like, well, no, they, this happened naturally for them, both having equally good years. But the fact is, is them having to go to the very final heat at the Pipe Masters for the world title, there's nothing better. It's a true, a true story, just like any other sport. The Super Bowl, the World Series, you know, the NBA Finals, everything else, everything else leads up to this final event. Whereas in surfing, like when Slater was dominating the tour years ago, he'd like win in Brazil earlier in the year. And for the for the the average fan, it's kind of like even my girlfriend's like, wait, I don't get it. So he could win 
and there's still a whole nother contest afterwards. I don't get it. Yeah. It's not nearly as exciting. Right. And the WSL loses a ton of revenue if someone wins early on in the season. And they never want that. Never want that. Yeah. And they shouldn't. It's a business. It it costs a lot of money to run these events. And you need to get the sponsorship dollars to pay for the events and Mm -hmm. pay all Mm -hmm. the surfers. Mm -hmm. And the party doesn't happen unless you get freaking... I don't know, tag Hoyer to right. sponsor your tour, you know, like some outside of surfing yeah, brand the non to, to come in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, and they want return on their investment. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I, I fucking love watching big wave surfing events because it's one or two days of super exciting waves and anyone could win. It, it literally is the gladiator pit. It's so <laughs> sick. It is. Oh my God. When I watch the jaws contest, I'm like, Oh. It's happening. Like, oh, all no. my friends come over. That's all we do is watch the Jaws. Same. Come. We do that in Hawaii every year when it's on. It's the event. best. Even like the top pros, like we sit there on the couch with like Mick and Owen and stuff, and like they want nothing to do with that wave, and they love watching the Jaws event, and we get all fired up. And got really, Kekoba calls us screaming at the top of his lungs, and it's it's a shit show, and it's fun, and it's just cool to see like even like the best of the best guys like losing it on these big wave psychos. Really? Yeah, totally. Wow. And they, they'll they say that. Like, Mick Fanning will be like, nah, nah not for yeah, me. Yeah, no. Nah, I mean, he'll go, I remember a couple of days he'd go charge Waimea. He'll, he'll surf pipe as big as it gets. He surfs ship sterns, but it's a different level that extra Mavericks, Jaws, like, there's something a little bit different there. Yeah. Yeah, for those guys at, at Jaws that are really doing it and what they've done over the last couple of years out there at that wave. Um, I mean, we see guys go left at Mavericks, which is really cool. You see guys try and pull into the barrel there, which is, I, I mean, it's amazing. Like go, going and seeing Lucas Chumbo and Nick Von Rupp and all those guys actually push the level up at Mavericks over the last couple of years has been really inspiring. But I think that the the ascension of surfing at Jaws over the last couple mm-hmm. of years has been one of the most special things to see in surfing period. Right. In my like surf life, mm-hmm. so watching it go from guys not surfing, only towing Jaws and only thinking that it was possible to tow Jaws right. uh, to seeing, I mean, early on you had guys, a big wave surfers like Danilo Couto, mm-hmm. who's charger underground Brazil guy who he was paddling out to, to Jaws and they'll say that it was a couple of the Brazilian guys that went out there and paddled it um, on some of the earliest sessions and then you had guys like Greg Long super early Mark Healy super mm-hmm. early um, you're talking about your ducks my, yeah my ducks in the back <laughs> Dorian too <laughs> dude it's the best <laughs> yeah dude oh my god sad note sad note um, sorry for interrupting oh, so uh, there was a, a researcher that called me recently who's friends with this this scientist that I know who does a show on on um, microscopic parts of animals and the, it's hmm. like a science show about um, the you know, and the, anyway what they were going to do is a whole episode on the preening gland of ducks so if you ever see a duck uh, turn around and scratch its ass okay what it's actually doing is secreting this gland that waterproofs their feathers Wow. Yeah, it's called the preening gland, and it's preening an old duck. Gland. So, so they, so they go around, they scratch their ass. Yeah, and and you can spread their butt feathers apart, and there's this little sack 
that will secrete the... And, and does that cover all of their feathers? Yeah. If like, you ever see a duck cleaning itself... I mean, I don't right? own ducks like you do, so I don't hang But you know what birds, yeah, the yeah, birds okay. look like when they're, yeah. they're cleaning themselves, right? So they're waterproofing their feathers with the preening gland. Wow. So uh, these researchers... Um, I, my friend's an abalone scientist, and she's friends with a bunch of these like amazing uber geeks who are just so fun to like get stoned and ask them questions about life. It's the best. You sure learn, learn a lot. You learn so much. The geeks are the coolest. Anyway, they were like, hi, so um, we want to come over and we want to film your duck's preening glands for this show. And at first I was like, am I being punked? But then they're like, no. So like here, this is the preening gland. Like go in and show and uh, you know, spread the feathers apart. Um, and, uh, you know, what are your ducks names? I'm like, oh, their names are Greg Long, Mark Healy and Shane Dorian. Um, they're like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so go check it out. And then I started getting all these texts like, hi, could you find the gland on Greg? <laughs> like Greg looks like the best one to film because there's like a white one, a brown one, a blue one. Like Greg's preening gland looks the most visible. And they started using all the ducks wow. names. Like is, is Shane more aggressive than the others? Wow. <laughs> so it's like, Dude, Do you have characteristic this, traits for each of them? Is this, oh yeah, Greg's the biggest asshole. Oh wow. Oh yeah, he's he always gets out. Who charges the hardest? Who charges <laughs> the hardest? Good question. I don't know. They uh, equal. They all rape each other though. Pretty pretty weird. Anywho, um, how do we get there? That was good. Yeah, tangent. It's fun. Um, you were so, talking about Jaws, but yeah, I was talking about Jaws. Um, but uh, it's 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 very cool that you get uh that you get some of the best surfers in the world to also get psyched on that. Oh, they do, without a doubt. It's it's crazy because I've done some trips with with these, you know, top five world contending surfers. And like like we were down in Porto last, was it a year and a half ago it must have been? And it was like the biggest swell. This, just by chance, like we, we were on a team trip, like a photo shoot straight after the Surf Ranch event. And all they had was their contest boards. And this was with Medina, Owen, uh, Connor Coffin, Matt Wilkinson, and um, you know four of the CT guys, and all they had was their their comp boards, right? And we we were like, all right, we're gonna go to Porto, we're gonna have the point breaks, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Turned out being literally, it was the biggest swell of the year of 2018, September 2018, when like Porto went like 30 foot, and like leading up to the swell, I was like, you know, trying to get boards. They have events coming up. They have you know Quicksilver Pro France. They got the Ripcurl Pro Portugal. They've CT title, like all this stuff. So you would think they would and just all their boards. They don't want to break. Well, and then, well, they have their, their competition boards and like, they're not going to want to go pull into like, you know, Porto, it's a closeout. Yeah. <laughs> and we got out there and they got out there the first day when it was like, you know, four or six foot, got some shocks. But by the next day it was like 10 foot plus and the, and the boys had like a step up as their biggest board and <laughs> the locals, everyone wanted them to paddle out and, all our photographers, even Corey Wilson was there. Of course, we wanted we wanted the boys to kind of pal out. I was kind of edging them, and they're like, you know what? It's just at, at this point where we're at in the season, like it's just not worth a, worth it to us because it was it was mainly it was ninety five percent closeouts and massive, you know, beach break barrels. And these are the best guys in the world being like, no. But we went down to La Punta and Medina put on a show. There's literally like fans lined up on the beach watching as he was doing like four airs on each wave. Wow. And then back at our hotel. So La Punta still- is, is a left yeah. down on the other side of town from Puerto Escondido. So Puerto Escondido is the town. Zigatella is a wave that I would not recommend surfing unless you're very experienced right. and really enjoy getting beat downs with the potential of drowning. <laughs> Or the potential of the best barrel of your life. Right. 
uh, but you can get fucked up super easily at Porto. Yeah. But La Punta is down on the other side of town, and it's a great rippable left hand plane yeah. break. And they're saying it was like, pr- like on its scale. Like I haven't been there before, but they're saying it was like p- proper pumping La Punta too. It's an amazing wave, and you can yeah. Im- now imagine these these three like CT goofy footers just going to town out there, and like we had a hell time like in the sun, just sunburnt all day, just doing the run around. And, um, yeah, it's a sick way. The sand gets in there and you can get barreled off the takeoff mm-hmm. and do like four or five turns all the way in. It's, it's one of the rare left points down in Southern Mexico. Yeah, definitely. Most of the spots around there are right points. And then, yeah, then we venture down because obviously, uh, Connor and his patented frontside car really wanted to find some rights. And I was kind of encouraging that as well, a little selfishly there, but, uh, no, just kidding. But we, uh, we were able to drive down and we got some uncrowded right hand point breaks too. So it was a pretty killer trip. So who was on it? So Medina, Owen Wright, Matt Wilkinson and Connor Coffin and about five cameras. <laughs> and I was bored caddy. Who was surfing the best? Depends on which wave, like on the La Punta, like Medina, like, stand out of course and then the rights like connor but o- owen's backhand is like something else he's amazing he's a really cool dude big fan of owen right yeah do you think that medina on his front side is the best front side surfer in the world period or do you think john john's better on his front side I mean that's a tough question, but it is. Or oh, and would you give it to John John? Who's it, you know? It's weird to think about like who's the best. Who's the best on one side, front side or back? Well, side? also like there's so many different types. Like, are we talking about the beach break or right hand point, left point? Like, you challenge Medina in anything, he shows up. Like people when he first got on tour, like oh his backhand's not that good, and then he goes out and wins snapper, and then you see him at J Bay and he's like drawing lines that no one else can do on their backside. So, the guy's got the complete package, and like he loves that stepping up to those challenges. Um, I think himself and John John are going to be battling for a while. I think the two of them are the two best surfers in the world. And hands down, they like, they, they're, they're, they're friends behind it all. And they, they really draw inspiration from each other, but they, they want to beat each other. Cause I know John John, while he was injured this year watching, he definitely got real fired up watching all that, all, you know, all that shit go down. Really? And John John definitely, you know, seems very like cool and like mellow behind the scenes, but he, he's competitive. I've heard he's yeah. underground super competitive. He is. You don't win world titles without no, being competitive. No. Come on. Yeah. 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 No, he, he plays a good, cool, calm, and collected cat with a sailboat and his, you know, wide brim hat and just kind of chilling with the dolphins. But no, he wants to win titles. No, he does. Um, you know, you called very early on in the year, it's a low. Yeah, that's right. You did. I, I, you're my little, like, I love these kinds of conversations the, the best. In Santa Cruz, you don't have a lot of surf industry conversations. Right, because it's separated. It's so separated. And it's kind of, there's a kind of pride in being out of the loop. It's like having pride that you don't know, like, all the names of the Kardashians or something. Or, like, that you think you <laughs> think that, at least, you know? Like, like well, you know, people I've who never are, thought like, of that. people have, who take pride in being so out of the loop on pop culture. Right. Because they're like, yeah, I just, like drink my craft brew and you know hunt wild animals and like <laughs> make my own kombucha and, and <laughs> can't really do a cutback but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm pretty bad at pop culture honestly it kind of embarrasses me uh but i but i think that this these kinds of conversations are so fun i, I right. love it and and i i not equating 
the world tour to the Kardashians, but yeah. it's just different. You know, right. it's it's a different. There's different shades to the surf world. Um, why did you call Italo so early early on? I just think you could really see him the previous year really heating up. So he won three events in 2018. He won Bells. I was there for that. That was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Why? Um, Because it was... Wait. That was... Wait, am I getting my years wrong? I'm going to have to think back on that. Okay. But he Apologies. won one year. Yeah, so he won. He and won, you were there for Well, that. he won Bells. He won Bali. And then I forgot the third of anyone, but he, he won three events and he didn't win the title. So I was just like, come on, this guy is like lethal. He can, he can do it all. He can win basically in all of the conditions. So I really you know thought he finished. I think he finished third, believe it or not. Okay. And he won three CTs that season out of 11 events. So I just really saw the Italo train heating up and he just had a couple events where he really faltered and got like, you know, last place, 33rd, what, whatnot. And, um, you just like if you would have tossed those out and he had a little couple better results, he would have been right there for the title. So, but this last year, when it came to that final day, like it's funny, like knowing Gabriel for so long as I've known him, like I actually had so much confidence in Gabriel winning. I was, I was pretty shocked when Italo won, but then kind of like post event thinking back and seeing how much time and dedication Italo put into his Hawaii season, he was there like months early. He was literally serving pipe every day, all day, leading up to the Pipe Masters. And a lot of guys don't do that because you're putting your body in so much jeopardy and you're putting your boards in so much jeopardy. And, dude, he was eating shit going down. But, like, that was just, he was just game on. And he, he knew that the more time he spent out there, the higher chance he'd have to win. And I, I know he had Shane Dorian in his corner. And, um, yeah, on that, on that final day going into that last heat, like, I'm down on the beach, so one of my one of my roles as Rip Curl is, is the world title gear. So I'm down there. We have like the flags, the hats, the merch, because we you gotta have that ready. You know, you want the cameras are out. Like you need to celebrate that win. So I'm down there. I got my role. We have you know everything ready to go, and, and then it doesn't. What happen. is that? What did the hat say? I mean, it's 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 you know it's Gabriel Dina three time world champion hat. You know, so got to put that on ice and uh, wait for next year or this year. You put it on ice and then just use it the next year. Uh, that's the plan. That's the plan. And that reminds. Well, you don't want to throw away a couple hundred hats. No. That's such a waste. Such a waste. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it reminds me of that scene in the movie Almost Famous. You ever see that movie? I do recall. Classic movie of right. this this young journalist who's sixteen years old. He gets to go on the band on the road with his band Stillwater. Okay. It's the nineteen seventies and he has this old rock writer who's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman who's giving him this advice and he gets this uh gig from Rolling Stone to write this article. And anyway, there's this scene in it where the band Stillwater gets all their new shirts and like it has just the guitar player Russell who's out in front and all the rest of the band members are behind him and they're blurred out. So it creates this huge band drama and the manager's like, okay, shirts gone, band happy. I'll leave. And the little like rock journalist like grabs one as memorabilia and runs away. Dude, you have a good memory of some little movie throwbacks. Yeah. Any good movies lately? Um, any good movies lately? I have not watched any movies lately. I've been reading a ton of books. 
I'm committed. So I'm, I think Austin and I were laughing about how many books you're reading because we just like we read like one yeah. and you had like 15 books you recommended at once. And we're like, dude, I'd get all the characters mixed up, man. <laughs> how do you handle that? Um, uh, I, uh, I read a little bit right when I wake up, mm-hmm. cup of coffee, about 20 minutes on a book. I mean, it's come, it's gone up, but you're you switching this books is daily thing, dude, or you read like different books in one dude, day. Like not, how do you do that? How do you I read multiple books? <laughs> I didn't grow up reading. Okay. I was not a reader. I, and I, sucked at school and um i watched movies and skateboarded and we surfed and then just in the last like five years six years i started writing for santa cruz waves um tyler fox's local magazine and people actually read it and they start and people were reading my writing and i started getting like some feedback on Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. and the, the satisfaction of getting feedback on an article was like nothing i had ever like really felt and I just realized like okay all of the people who I respect all the good writers are also reading books um, and it's such a cool pursuit because really all you need to become a very good writer is a good editor and you need to be reading books right like, I mean and- those things obviously go hand in hand they go like, yeah like how are you going to be inspired to come up with new things and new words to write about if you're not reading them. No. Yeah. You, you take little bits from other writers, but I like how simple it is. Like really all it is, is like you, your computer, your mind, and then maybe one person who's reading or writing and giving you feedback. And then this world of basically free knowledge, like the fact that you can buy a book for 20 bucks and it can change your life. The amount of condensed thought that goes into a book, a good one is, um, it's really like, in my opinion, it's one of the peaks of human capacity. Like there's all these different levels that our brain can function on at any one point. Right. And there's this, the kind of like ball, like drony mind and you're just doing all your menial tasks and it can go all the way up to creative thought. Like a thought that you have had that no one else has ever had in the history of the world. You've had that. It, everyone listening to this podcast has had a thought that no one else had ha- has had in their entire life. Because well, it's your thought. It's yours. You own it. And and to come up with as many new ones as possible is what life should be be about. And right. I find that when I read and I write, I have those thoughts way more. So, but reading can be kind yeah, of that, intimidating, dude. Reading can be so intimidating, and it's really hard, especially if you haven't built up that muscle to get psyched on it. Right. So I literally like hacked it. I was like, okay. I'm going to wake up and before I look at my phone, I'm going to read for 10 minutes. I'm going to have my cup of coffee and I'm going to read. Right. And I, I enjoyed that cup and I decided to, to like the way that habits form a lot of times is that you will, you, you pair something that you like to do with something that's good for you. Okay. It's like, I liked my morning brew. So I just decided that I would read while I would drink that cup of coffee Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I would do it for like 10 minutes and then I found a couple good books and I was like, oh, this is, this is actually really sick. You just need to, it doesn't matter what you read. Just read something that you're psyched on. And, um, it's totally changed my life. And, 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 and That's awesome. this, and this is kind of going to wrap around. I wrote an article for Santa Cruz waves about, um, pro surfing being a dead end career. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And that was, I maybe, think you interviewed me for that. I did. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think you used my quote. Um, it's okay. yeah, it was a weak quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. 
Go ahead. But I, it, you know, it was an article that I got a lot of feedback on, and it, you know, was basically making the argument that most people should not try and go be pro surfers because if you look at the numbers, um, and it it can leave people really high and dry in their thirties and forties when they haven't when they aren't developing the, these other skills. Right. And it was like it was kind of hard for me to put that out there into the world because a lot of my friends are pro surfers and it's you know you're kind of like calling something out that's not always fun to hear um but to do that and like get that kind of feedback was a really special experience for me for sure and i'd argue that you don't want to be crushing dreams you want to allow people to pursue you know what brings them joy what brings them happiness pursue their passions so i'd encourage you know anyone to pursue anything that really brings you you know those dreams but at the same time, you have to, you know, consider backup plans and backup options and it can't be the end all be all. And that's the real key with, with the pursuit of these, you know, professional sports is you can't put, you know, you know, all your eggs. That's smart. You yeah. You, and because you have a freaking bat get sold in a market in on in Wuhan, China, that creates a global pandemic, and right. then you get a call, and the team manager is like, "Sorry, dude, we we just lost half of our company's profit. We got to let you go." Yeah, no, it could it could be something that is literally no fault of your own. Totally, and this has definitely been a obviously for the entire world like something no one could have ever you know dreamed of right i mean i guess a couple of people kind of did <laughs> predict this yeah, but <laughs> turns out bill gates gave yeah. a ted talk yeah i saw a that bill gates TED talk. Pr- but a few years prior but with that said you know no come on like none of us really you know saw no, this coming no. so it's been a, a total shock to the to the industry and it's been a, a major challenge and yeah like there was a lot of fo- hard difficult phone calls uh, i had to make with our surf team but you know hundred percent of them understood the situation. Like, you know, these people aren't, aren't dumb and they're not naive and they're, they're going to like, you know, read the news and see what's happening out there. So, so luckily, you know, the surfers are, are taking in a stride for the most part, but it is, you know, a little slap in the face to everyone, a slap on the hand, just being like, Hey man, like this is life and you got to be ready to roll with the punches when, you know, when shit hits the fan. Life is always uncertain. Have you gotten the emails that are signed or I, they're signed Hi, Kyle. I hope you're doing well in these uncertain times. Oh, yes. It's always uncertain times. Right. We just feel uncertain right right now. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. By definition of the pandemic hitting us and no one predicting it, it means you live in uncertain times. Exactly. No, without a doubt. So what's happening in the surf industry? So, yeah, it's, it's, I mean... I'm not going to be able to totally speak for the industry as a whole. I, I mean, I could see what, what's happening, you know, obviously with the brand that I work for, but, and what I've heard with other brands, but no, it's, it's a time where everyone's, you know, looking in the mirror and, you know, checking themselves. Um, it's a time where, you know, everyone's having to scale back. Um, you know, there's going to be probably quite a few of the smaller brands, some of those hip or cooler brands that they, they might not survive the situation, you know, and a lot of the big brands, it, de- it depends, you know, or they're, you know, who they're owned by, um, you know, 
really where they were sitting, you know, kind of going into this whole situation. And, you know, some of the companies like right off the bat, the first one that kind of really made a public announcement was Volcom and they furloughed 75% of their employees. And from what I heard, they had to drop many team riders and cut back a lot of team checks. And some guys aren't, aren't getting paid. They might get paid back down the line. And again, that's each company is doing something different. You know, the announcement came out with O'Neill and they, you know, they went through their struggles and our rip curl announcement came out too. So every, everyone's kind of dealing with it in their own way. It's whether, you know, team riders are getting dropped, ideally not. Some of them are taking reductions and, um, they're just going to have to, you know, Oof. survive off, off what they can for now. Oh, Cause there's, a- there's no surf contest taking place. You know, yeah. my role is a, I'm a team and event manager. I run the rip curl grom search surf series and, that's, I mean, we're, we're going to pull it off. I believe so. But I mean, for right now, I just, I just don't know what's happening. Cause, cause once our, all of our retail stores are shut down, the company isn't bringing in the revenue to, you know, to pay its, its employees and pay its team riders. How does that work with contracts? So what's interesting, and again, like I can't speak on all, all, all for all, uh, you know, brands and whatnot, but there is different clauses. Um, I think the pronunciation is force majeure which is basically the act of God clause, which means it's... What language is that? I don't know. Someone knows. Someone's screaming it out. Sorry. Don't have all the info over here. I believe it was an old wooden (laughs) ship. Force majeure. San Diego. No, but uh, basically um, it's, you know, if there's war, if there's a pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, things beyond our control, right? Where like there's these global situations that are literally detrimental to the company and for the company to survive... Like a war we didn't start. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's... But like, imagine if we're all getting drafted, yeah, you totally. know, oh, World War III, we're getting drafted. Sorry, we can't pay your sponsorship, bro. Like, that's just a part of it. So, you know, it's, and then it's just, it's going to be exciting to see how everyone bounces back, you know. Uh, I believe that, you know, some of the stronger brands will really be, really be able to take a bit of market share and, you know, really be able to, you know, you know, we survived the storm and we're here and there's a lot of surfers out there. There's a lot of surfers in this world. There's a lot of coastline and you need, you know, surfing equipment to enjoy the sport. And people love the surfing lifestyle. It's, it's sexy and it, people love wearing board shorts and they love wearing bikinis. So there's definitely going to be, you know, people out there making those purchases. And especially here in Santa Cruz, I mean, dealing with it, surfing with you today, the water's cold, you know, wearing a five-year-old wetsuit with holes isn't really an option these days because it's 57 degrees and you're going numb. Rip Curl's a smart company, too. You guys, I mean, from the outside, I'm not an expert on it, but you guys have positioned yourself in an intelligent way over the last few well, years. It just really is, you know, tip your cap to the owners, the founders who just kind of came at it with just the belief of being the ultimate surfing company. You know, that's 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 our guidelines, basically, at Rip Curl. Is we are the ultimate surfing company. So it didn't we didn't overextend ourselves to be doing anything beyond, you know, living the search, which is really the next, you know, the motto, the mantra, the tagline of Rip Curl. And that's just be finding the best wave you could possibly find, getting, exploring, getting out there. And everyone loves that dream of, you know, being on a deserted island and finding a perfect point break or getting barreled and just living life in the sun. You know what? Um, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by uh, Rip Curl. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I brought it up. Um, do you, I, I think that there are ways through this that surfers like I'm, I'm really interested to see the good that comes out of this pandemic 
regarding people coming up with their own business models to make money surfing. Right. Um, I, because as we said before, there's so many different ways that you can make revenue now. Like mm-hmm. you can open a Patreon account and if enough people like your art, you can make six figures off that. There are a lot of people that are making money just off of donations, mm-hmm. um, Squarespace subscriptions. Okay. Um, like I started selling stuff on my Squarespace site and that's just directly from, you know, someone who likes my stuff straight onto Squarespace. Um, do you know another thing that people are doing to make money? Uh, courses. Have you seen this? No. This would be a, a cool thing for like a young young surfers to to get in. So Mark Healy just uh, released one. It's his big wave surfing course. Okay, got and it. It's like a hundred and fifty bucks, and it's a bunch. It's a series of interviews with him teaching you big wave surfing. Right, right. And it's pretty cool. And Healy's you know intelligent and mm-hmm. articulate, and he mm-hmm. can deliver good information. But I wonder what kind of courses. Like, well, other surfers right. could do, right? Like, well, what Mason Ho's yeah. freaking no, art, <laughs> art, make, how to fucking roll a joint and paint a rainbow with Mason Ho. Oh, man, I think he'd do something about how to surf on a dry reef. <laughs> right. And not kill yourself. What would some of the other courses be? With Mason or just people in general? People in general. That's a good question. I think, I mean, you could obviously like people have been breaking down surfing for years. And like I see, you see online tutorials right now, I think with Josh Kerr teaching people, I saw one that popped up somehow in my, it was like how to take off. And I was like, I actually clicked on it just to see like the advice he was giving. And he was like talking about where to put your eyes down the line of the wave and not on your board. And I was like, wow, I never thought about that, but that's totally. a really, that's really good advice, Josh. Thank you. But, uh, no, there's, t- I mean, you could, the guys could totally be breaking it down into competition formats and heat strategy and you know obviously different technique and how you'd like to approach waves and whatnot because uh, the intelligent part about or, or or how to pack for a surf trip that's always yeah a good one. that's a good one but the cool thing about courses is that you record a series of videos and then it's up and you don't need to do any more work and people are paying every time right. to see that series of videos, right? So it's just this it like masterclass right now mm-hmm. is crushing it. You know, masterclass. It, so they get um, like authors and leaders of, of various kinds. Well, various I use, so I use the Calm app. They have a masterclass section on that. I, I guess I wonder if that's the same thing, similar. I'm sure. It probably is, mm-hmm. but it's a series of videos where some expert teaches yep, you yep. something. Exactly. But um, they're making a lot of. It's just a model, right? Mm-hmm. Where you you make a lot of money off of that purchase every single time, and you're right. not doing a whole lot of work. Thinking outside the box. Yep. We got to get, this is the time, man. You know, coming out of a, a tough time, like how you rebound, you know, how we're going to evolve and get out of this and flourish. Like the people that are like one step ahead, I think are really going to take off and, you know, grab a, you know, piece of that, that pie that we speak of. Yeah. Do you see any, any kind of silver linings? Have you been, uh, you're, you're a positive dude. I mean, we, we, the one you're, thing you're, I've been doing is actually been writing down in my journal, like the, the good things about, you know, the situation, like the good things about quarantine and what, you know, what's been positive through, through this all and communicating with my friends and communicating with my family has been incredible. Like getting on FaceTime with old friends from high school, Cassiano down in Brazil, talking to, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. So it's just been really cool to connect, you know, working on stuff at the house, working on the yard, getting the 
the garage real dialed and nice. Um, we got kittens. That was an epic. Uh, kittens are a handful. That was an epic uh, little adventure we dove into during uh, this uh, quarantine time. So that's been super fun. Dude, and animals I, are great. Oh, so fun. The Especially that when they're little babies. They're just so fun. But I've been able to enjoy the ocean quite a bit, a lot more than usual. So that's been real nice. And Have you been surfing more than usual? More than usual. And I've been surfing on all the, my like favorite tides, which is a very detailed part of surfing. Whereas when I'm working the nine to five at the office, like, you know, most of the time I'm just surfing in the morning from, you know, seven o'clock. But while what have you been, what have you been working on surfing? You mentioned those little things um, like standing up and looking down so the line. So what I've been really working on is that now that I've had this forever lasting ankle injury, now that it's really been strong this, this last few months, I've really just been working on progressing my surfing again and just trying to get back to some of the aerials that I've been able to do in the past, like b- before this whole injury took place many years ago. And it's been it's been pretty cool to like have the confidence to, doing to, again? to launch some airs and stop them. Oh, yeah. How do you do airs? How you do an error reverse, Matt Myers? Ooh, so, you definitely need the right section, because if you if you're trying, so all so one big tip I have for surfers is the correct maneuver choice for the wave you have. That's huge. So if you're going to be trying to do, you can name any maneuver on the wrong section, it's just not going to work out. So you need to make sure you're finding the right wave for what you're working on. Because think about like a slopey face. There's no way you're going to be able to punt an air off it. You need to find a lip that's projecting out where you're able to get your speed up, um, you're able to eye the section, you really need to you know, use your core and your legs and get low and project. And basically, it's, I, think, I think skateboarding probably would help a lot of people with doing their first air. Just learning the feeling of doing an ollie definitely would help. So you're kind of doing that ollie motion where you're bringing your legs down, then you're extending them as you hit the lip. And the key is, is to really project yourself out towards the beach. Because if you're going to launch straight up, by the time you come down to land, the wave's going to move past you. So where are you looking? I'm, as I'm going down the wave, I'm definitely looking at the lip and eyeing exactly where I want to launch off it. And then once you're in the air, you want to be looking at where you want to land. Because wherever you look is where you and your board and your body is going to go. But if you're doing air reverse, at what okay, point? Okay, where are we do doing you, air reverse or just a frontside air? Air reverse. Air reverse. So air reverse, you're tucking your chin I'm a regular foot. You're a regular foot. So you're chucking, tucking your chin against your, your left shoulder. And then your body's going to fall in that direction. So you're going to be opening your arms, tucking your chin, and holding your chin there and letting your body spin. Open your left arm to the left. Yes, exactly. And then when you land, where are you looking basically at the nose of your board? You're probably looking, yeah. You're, at that point, it depends how much you're going to rotate, though, also. If like if you're doing kind of like a 180 and then into an air reverse, you probably be at that point. It's a good question. I think I'm looking straight ahead at that point because you're gonna eventually bring your head back to the center. And how much do you do you suck up when you're doing an air reverse? Are you basically doing yeah, air and then you like suck up as much as you can? Yeah. Well, you're gonna yeah you're pulling your knees up towards your chest. Ideally your back foot's pulling up higher because you want to do a tail high air reverse. If both your feet are completely level, it's going to be a flat spin. Most guys that are doing air reverses now are basically vertical. Like their boards are so tail high. If you look at Medina, it's it's almost a vertical position. At but one no, point. he'll do them other ways too though. Yeah, he can do whatever yeah. he wants. Sometimes they, like him and Italo, when it's like a quick, like 
beach break section with not a lot of speed or anywhere to move, they'll do a flat spin and it'll be a full rotation. God, it looks so fun. Oh, it's like video game surfing. It looks so fun. So what's cool is like, like that. The, the, in Hawaii at Off the Wall House, like when it's small, the Rip Curl House and the Billabong House are pretty much right next to each other. And Italo and Gabriel just are like so competitive with each other. They like they'll hit each other up to go surf in front and like all the cameras show up and they just like go blow for blow. <laughs> and it's just a, a, a freak air show of just like speed and just spinning. What kind of airs do they do? It's uh, so beyond bit, me. Bit, yeah. They mix it up. Alley oops are fun. Yeah. Those are two guys who had such creative surfing from an early age. I remember some of the earliest Gabriel Medina, some of the earliest Italo footage was them doing like 360s and like backside 360s and pop shove and little rodeos. Yeah, they're nimble. They're, they're nimble super, and quick. Super nimble, super quick, but they have that fundamental. It's almost like they had the errors first and then as they got bigger, they just learned how to be the best fundamental surfers yeah, in the world too. They're, they're natural freaks from the get-go. And they just surf these beach breaks where they grow up and they, I think they catch so many waves and they just have this acrobatic talents that they're able just to let loose. And, and they catch more waves down there, huh? They catch a lot of waves. They catch a lot of waves and they surf a ton. Those guys will surf like hours and hours and hours. Yeah. All day long. Mm-hmm. All the CC guys pro- are probably. All, uh, Kelly? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, he's, he's still surfing. He's kind of in his own. He's, category yeah anyway. he does his own thing he just like prays to the devil and the devil gets <laughs> power <laughs> i found out that kelly slater had like some like voodoo shrine <laughs> it's just like, like i've heard the, indiana jones i've heard the, the alien theories before he's from out of this world yeah there's something going on um but uh uh what were we talking about? I don't know. No, we were talking about Italo and the the fundamentals and how many how many waves they catch. That's right. a really interesting right. point that you just made because if you're catching twice as many waves, you get twice as many tries. You'll get twice as good or twice as good as quickly. Um, and in California, it's crowded. Like if you, how many waves would you say you catch on an average session? Well, it depends how long I'm surfing. Like I usually surf when I'm normally surfing like an hour. Yeah, and I'll catch like. 10 to 12 waves. Yep. Well, I live in Newport Beach, so I get a qu- quite a few waves. But surfing here at the point just depends. Yeah, it depends. But I always aim at for at least 10 waves a session. It's always the goal. Do you a- aim for waves? Wave count? Yeah. Mm. You got your watch. So you I do see. have my GPS watch. <laughs> I love that thing. <laughs> Once again, brought to you. The Surfline cameras are just awesome. I love them. So you have a watch that then... That then plugs into the surfline camera yeah, they sync together and then you get to go back and see exactly when your wave so you track your session with the gps watch yeah and then you upload your session to the rip curl and then you have the rip curl app and you have that linked to the surfline app so you have to be a surfline premium member to, to get this benefit and then all of the surfline clips which are linked with like <laughs> so a, a satellite or whatever they, they send you your waves all of your waves to your phone and then you just click there and wave one, wave two, wave three, and then you can like star your favorite ones. Oh, I'm such a fan of Surfline. They're such a smart company. No, I, me too. They're oh, great. I, mean, I mean, people people hate on them, but I think uh, they, they do wonderful. Well, Marcus things. Sanders is the man who's been at Surfline. Yeah, he's super forever. Cool. They got a but lot just of great the product, there. it's like, it's like, it's like, um, 
I don't know. What's the what's an example of something that you hate but you use but you love to use? I don't know. Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah i I don't know though but like it's uh you um that's really great that you get to use the surf line cam and surf but but like uh, go for it well we used to have like we were cool enough where people would like come down and film us remember that but nowadays i just use the surf line camera that's there so that gets all my clips for me so that i can uh you know stroke my ego and post it and have people like my photos and that's videos. Just, that's wh- why we do it in the first place and how terrible is that <laughs> it's, it's bad for us it's, it's so bad it's really bad man why I, can't i just look at it and get the fulfillment why do i have to sh- i mean i do i mean i really enjoy watching my friends surf like if any of my close friends get a sick wave like i would love for them to send it to me yeah you just don't want your sense of self-worth to recede away from you and be based on likes based right. on what strangers think of you and and you th- you feel good but also feel that little pang of negativity when you don't get as many likes as you thought you were gonna get and then you gotta ask yourself the question am i really worth anything does the work <laughs> do the world value me do i have any value within myself and the answer is you do have value do you know why matt because you're good enough you're smart enough and gosh darn it people like you wow man you are uh, you can really build someone up can't you? <laughs> um thanks kyle yeah yeah um uh surfline had something i just wanted to say i wonder how much um becoming a really good surfer has to do with just time spent in the water. Right. You said something to me that was, um, that stuck with me last podcast we did. Mm-hmm. You were telling a story about how you were, um, at a surf trade show trying to get sponsored and yeah. you're walking around with your resume yep, and yep. Chris Gallagher, uh, yep. great Santa Cruz pro surfer who moved to Hawaii coach and, um, shaper and shaper came up to you and he, t- and he put his hand on your shoulder and said, Matt, just focus on surfing and the rest will come. Exactly. And, and that hurt me at that time. Yeah. Because I had spent so much time, I, I mean, I don't want to repeat the same thing in a previous podcast, but like going to Kinko's and making my resume and putting all my photos together and I spent all this time and some this guy that I completely, you know, look up to and I respect so much and we've shared some great times since, since that day. Um, just kind of crushed my dreams right there. But um, those are the, you know, sometimes it's good to hear the hard things. It's good to hear the truth. Exactly. Always. Right. Because how long do you want to be wrong for? Mm-hmm. And something that that I just think about a lot is how much success has to do with focusing on the how. Just focusing on the technique of the thing that you're trying to get good at. And and leave all the other shit in the rear view mirror, have as many other people handle that other shit as possible and just focus on getting good at your thing. Um, because if you don't, if you try and, if you try and sidestep it and go around and just like attain the success without having attained the skill, you can fool people for a little while, but then it just, it's like a house with a shitty foundation. It just starts to crumble apart. Um, and I wonder, you know, with surfing, like the best surfer that I grew up with was Nat Young. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he surfed twice as much as me growing up. He had that drive. He had that drive. The whole time. Yeah. I would go surf the lane for an hour and a half and I was psyched. That was fun. Yeah. 
Good sesh. Good sesh. And he's still out there after and you he's had still lunch. out there. And he was there before I got there. And then he would go home and he'd look at footage. He he worked harder than any other surfer I knew growing up. Yeah, and he made he made the big show. Yep. And and he's still fighting to get back on there. He yeah, is. He is. Yeah, he actually won a QS 5000 in Morocco this year. I was there right before him. Oh, no way. I know. That's I believe. That would have been so, so cool to be there. Yeah. The celebration party. Great way but, to um, there, so, so, yeah, speaking of Nat. Um, just well, re- he won it at in Agadir, which is a right-hand point break. And it's a right up a sick alley. spot. Yeah, yeah, very close to it. It's, it's like a Santa Cruz point break on its best day. Right. So Nat, you know, what? so Nat would be what? 28 how old are you guys he's 28 yeah you're yep. on there about to turn 29 his birthday right. is i think it's june 16th so 28 dude he's still he's still in that that time frame where it's like dude you can get back on the ct and he's sitting at number two believe it or not on the qs and with everything going on it's like he's got to be scratching his head being like all right debbie cell what the fuck like i'm having a good year the the series like the QS season's on hold because it just started right before. Yeah, that, I mean they right? had a handful of events. They did the they did some of the Aussie leg, they did the pipe event. You know they haven't got to the Challenger series yet. Those the big ten thousands, but like guys have poured a lot of money into traveling and a lot of time into getting the points that they already have. Not saying they've you know they've even scratched the surface on this entire QS season. But things, you can't scrap those points. They did those contests. Yeah. So what's so that's a big like what's what's going to happen? What's next? Like, you know, say this 2020 season doesn't happen going into 2021. Does he just carry those points on exactly as they are? Like, you know, those are obviously those, those big questions the guy's got to deal with and kind of got to shake out and see, you know, what, what's going on with this, this world. That'd be so great to see him get back on. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. But do, do, what do you think about that technique thing? The idea of just time spent. Oh no, without a doubt. I think it it's probably is the most important aspect of anything that you're trying to learn or, or, or grow or get better at. How do you see it in surfing? Because you're you're coaching a lot of young kids that you're and you're looking for potential. You were just telling me earlier when we were going surfing about how good uh Griffin Colapinto's little brother surfs now. Yeah, and, and Crosby, he fought hard for it, man. Like he wasn't like the hottest Grom coming up at the time. Like a lot of his peers. How old is he now? He is eighteen, and yeah, he's well on his way, man. He's 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 going to be a, a successful pro surfer, in my opinion. And and Griffin is what what twenty one. He's twenty one, and he's one of the best surfers in the world now. Yeah, I think. I mean, Griffin's top ten in the world, in my opinion. And is know, he top ten? Is he top 10 uh, on the tour? No, not ranking-wise, no. What did he finish last year? I couldn't tell you about it. But he's impressive, uh, man. He's he one of those 20. guys who surfs like Andy Irons. Like, he's so just uh, he's like got the sick full... and raw. He's just one of those surfers I enjoy watching. Any, any clip, he put, both the brothers, anything they put out, I just, I just, I'm drawn to it. Um, on a combination of, of their style is, is really big for myself and enjoying just watching surfing and their technique and, and the maneuvers they're doing on the waves is just incredible. But going back to your question was like, for example, like Crosby, he wasn't the one winning all the big national titles straight out of it. Like, because these kids, like the sponsors are picking up kids at age 10 these days, 10, 11, 12, like you're snatched up. And he, he, he did have the sponsor early on, but he wasn't winning the events. But he just fought, he was so determined to be the best. Like, I think having that older brother really, like, 
he saw the path and he saw what Griffin did to make it and he just fought harder than anyone and it worked out. What did hard. that look like? Just it goes back to what you said, the, the time in the water and the dedication and the focus and going home and reviewing the footage and watching a lot of his heroes and watching a lot of old videos of like, you know, he'd go back and watch Parco a ton, like over and over and over and over and over and just like watching the lines these guys are drawing and just so zeroed in on this is his thing. And you can see the kids that are that dedicated to it because it shows in their surfing. Um, and again, I, I do think it, it is your point and what we've been discussing here is like just being so dedicated to your craft, being obsessively, you know, time in the water, whether, that, you know, if, if that's your thing. I agree. I agree. It's so easy to waste time. And waste time claiming that it's on behalf of doing something you love. But it like you live enough of life and you realize that the shit is when you're immersed. Mm -hmm. It's those moments of feeling immersed. Mm -hmm. And that's not even like flow is such an overused word, but just like wow where did that time go well that's why that whole like i mean back to the whole surfing thing is the san clemente group of kids is they're immersed in it like and the and like going back to where the pro surfers in santa cruz that's where crosby of, was. yeah and going back to like the point where you're saying the pro surfers in santa cruz would kind of steal the spotlight a bit down there it's kind of the opposite right now where the the colohan dinos um ian cranes they're so supportive of the youth and showing them the pathway to success, I think it's why it's such a hotbed of so much talent. And there's like literally like all of the best kids in California are all coming out of San Clemente right now. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Santa Cruz, we had a couple of those guys. Guys like Adam Replogel, who helped a ton mm -hmm. with you know younger surfers coming up and you know taking guys like Austin Smith for shooting photos yeah, early yeah, on. Right. But to the to that point he helped younger guys a lot and just a little bit of that energy you know and and that path forward can make the difference for a no, kid it, who's 15 it does cuz it it takes away all the question marks you have someone holding your hand and kind of leading you and obviously they're not just it's not feeding you with a silver platter or whatnot exactly in a way a little bit it is but they're showing you this are the steps you need to take to be successful what's an example of that like, what would a conversation like that sound like between, I don't know, Chloe and Crosby, Cole, Pinto? I, th I think just um, between what they're doing out of the water, um, their mental focus, you know, meditation, what they're eating. Like, these kids are health. Like, where we used to just eat shitty food all the time, like, these kids are already watching their diets at a young age, which is, like, amazing to me. And, like, for example, Crosby and I were staying in a hotel in Cocoa Beach last year, um, which there's like really no options for a lot of health food and whatnot. And like he, he, we were at the hotel and he would wake up every morning like we're going to the gym and he'd motivate me to go hit the little gym at the hotel. And like when I was doing the QS with Austin, for example, like doing the regional tour, like we were not hitting the gym. We were we were cruising looking for chicks. Yeah. And and that's that's how things are changing. Cause you have to, if you want to make it like that's, that's the mindset you're going to have to have. Yeah. You got, you got to love doing that thing. And that's focus. Focus is such a, I, 
it's it's this kind of thing that we don't. How do I put it? Like, what's the longest amount of time that you can focus on something? Right, and that, and how much of that ability alone will determine your success? Right. Just like they say it in writing, the authors say it's becoming a great writer is not about your own talent or lack thereof it's about other people distracting you that is that's the number one thing that will get you off task and Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. that uh, you know we last time we were we talked about it but i think that we can touch on it again our society values the superstar um the person who's in the spotlight and getting all the attention but they don't nearly value enough the pit crew, the people that are able to, to allow that superstar to see the path forward by removing as many distractions as possible. Yeah. But by definition, if those distractions come in, the superstar is no longer capable of achieving mm-hmm. that goal. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I mean, that's, it, it's like this multi-celled organism. No, um, totally. That is, uh, that you have, I think you have influenced a huge number of young surfers by helping, um, helping them, um, find clarity in those years where their hormones are raging. Right. And and there's a lot of self doubt and, you know, it's really easy to put yourself down. So it's really important to have someone there in your corner to support you and to lift you up. And when you lose first heat in a contest to tell you that, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world and it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Cause you're just going to grow from this experience and you're going to learn from it. So that's kind of like really where my passion in this whole journey has been is, is in this mentorship field of, um, you know, not only being this, whatever, you know, my title of a team manager, but it's more of like a a mentor and it's someone that can answer any questions you might have and, you know, tell you that I've been there before, you know, I struggled mightily in events and like these kids beat themselves up so hard when they're, when they're losing thinking like the world's going to end, but in reality, you're just going to grow and be a bigger, better, stronger person from it. Cause when you're just winning all the time, it's a little too easy. Do you have any examples of, of those kinds of conversations that you've had with um, juniors, you know, after either a, a hard loss or a big win? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to go into exact examples of kids' names and whatnot, but I mean, I've definitely, you know, it, it's tough because especially in your teenage years when your parents are around so much, it does make it a bit hard on the kids because the parents are trying to be that coach and whatnot. But the best thing for the parent to do is just to be that support factor on the side because you want to let your coach kind of do the coaching part of things and the parent be the parent. And it gets a little blurry when they're doing both. But for myself, obviously, I want to be that support person. But I also want to like, you know, you got to be like, this is where you can improve. This is where things went wrong. This was the decision that you made. And, and there's going to be another event. There's going to be another year. So there's, it's not, it's not over now. And I think that once you understand that and can bring that to your next event and go into it with more calmness and, um, more courage and And more clarity, clarity Uh, and belief. Yeah. Because then you're not like, Oh, how did I lose? You know, like, okay, Matt told me that 
I that you know I, I should have gone for that first wave. I shouldn't have waited so long because in these inconsistent conditions, just right. get you know get get it rolling, yeah. get a few scores under your belt, yeah. and then there you go, Kyle. You yeah, know what's up? Yeah, you don't want to be go. You don't want to be waiting two minutes to go when you need a seven point eight. It's <laughs> it's too much pressure. Yeah. You, you want to just buckle. Yeah, you're gonna buckle early on. You just want to start building the house. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those are keywords, plug <laughs> words. You like that? Yeah. Yeah, I can do it. That's um, Back to you, Pots. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, but... but you get but, us in the booth commentating. That'd be I fun. would crush it. Yeah. Um, but, no filters. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore with Matt and Kyle. It's Kelly taking off. Yeah, but, but to be, at least not be confused as to why you lost. Yes, exactly. You got to pinpoint it, and then you can move on from it. You're like, this was the mistake I made. And a lot of time it comes into like, nowadays it's priority. So it's something we didn't have to deal with before, but uh, it's complicated. You know, there's a lot that goes down with, you know, especially four-man heats and the priority decisions. So it's, it's, it's so choosing the right wave. And again, like making the right maneuver choices on that wave, finishing that wave, you know, when you're in second place, you need to hold off the guy in third, so you need to sit on him. You can't give him too much space. You can't allow them to catch a wave if you have a higher priority with them. There's just a lot of details that really go into it. And if you're able to pinpoint each and every mistake and record that, and they might make the same mistake again. You know, we're not perfect, and that's a part of it. And um, But you're going to eventually learn, you're going to grow, and then you're going to be better from it. What does it feel like? to give one of these juniors advice and watch them incorporate it. Oh, that's the best. Like it gets me so fired up to watch, you know, the success of the kids and that I've, you know, coached and managed. And, um, it's, it's definitely fulfilling and you can kind of see why like the whole soccer parent thing kind of exists. Cause like how stoked you get when like, like your own child does it. So obviously I don't, I don't have any kids of my own, but I can only imagine like, that's stoked. Cause like how oh, fired up I get when, when the kids do well. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, you could, cause you build that relationship with them and you know, you know how fucking amped they're going to be. Right. So like you, you're happy for them being happy. Yeah. One definition of compassion mm-hmm. is taking joy in the joy of others. Right. Compassion. You got you got compassion, Matt. So do you, Kyle. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you too. Where can people uh, find you on the interwebs? Where can people check out your uh, last oh, surfline wave? Heard you got quite a big no hand barrel there at Newport Jetties oh, the other week. I think I got tagged in um, Barrel Dodgers <sighs> Anonymous yeah. on that one. The angle wasn't in your favor. No, it was an angle going into the barrel. You never look as deep when you're going yeah, into the barrels. I, was, I wasn't very deep. You got to get the can- the camera behind but, you from the beach. But then those clips suck because you can't see the dude in the barrel. It's just right. an invisible man, and then they come on out, and you can't you can, really tell how deep so they there's got. No winning there, I guess. No, no. But hey, the reaction of the surfers in the water is really what makes it special. When you got all those people hooting and hollering on the shoulder, you're like, yeah. You're like in the action, getting your. It's like getting your likes, your double taps on Instagram, but in real life, that's, <laughs> yeah. it's so much more fulfilling that way. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, Instagram at Mr. Mr. Underscore Matt Myers, M A T T M Y E R S. Send me a DM. We can chat, surf, talk anytime. 
and maybe some mentorship. Yeah, sure. Bring it on. Let's go. Let's let's break it down. I've been having fun with that. Breaking down just the intricacies of surfing technique. I want to bring you on board, dude. I want to figure out why my style's still so bad. We, we can we can, we can work <laughs> on a couple, we can work on a couple What's things. What's going on with that back knee, KT? Yeah, Tuck got, that thing in. Yeah. Hey, Italo's got a little buck knee too, though, and he's world champ. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude, what a blast! Thank you so much, Matt yeah, Myers. Man. Love you, Kyle. Love you. That's our show. I'm gonna play out the song called "Derby Days" by Square Shapes. These guys are from Santa Cruz. They listen to the podcast and they sent me some music. If you're a musician and you want it, your tunes played at the, at the end of this show, uh, you can email it to info at kyle.surf. Info at kyle.surf is also where you can send me some voice memos. Let me know who you are, where you're listening from, some details about your surroundings, some insight, inspiration, information to the podcast crew. Try and keep it under a minute, and I'd love to play it at the beginning of the show. Don't forget, we got the box of goodies, Santa Cruz Medicinals, Potent CBD Tincture, and a new book from me every month. So if you want to join this book club, if you want to support this podcast, click the link of the box of goodies in the description below, or head over to my website, kyle.surf. Get out in the ocean. If you're not near an ocean, get in a lake. If you're not near a lake, get in a river. If you're not near a river, get in a goddamn bathtub. Just get out in the water because it will make your day better and with that hope you enjoy this song called derby days by square shapes (laughs) 